0: Hello there and welcome to MMA Fight Club. I'm your host, Manny Galarza. This is the recap show for UFC Vegas 44, Rob Font vs. Jose Aldo, which just wrapped up moments ago. We're going to go over each fight, one fight at a time, talk about the betting implications, uh, what happened in each fight, any bullet points, and we'll start with the main event first. So let's jump into Rob Font vs. Jose Aldo, the five-round main event. No title belts on the line there, but uh, two good fighters. And of course, Jose Aldo's the former champ coming in here um, in the second part of his career. Some people have you know, suggested maybe this is the downside of his career, getting older. Well, tonight, not only did he win the fight by decision, um, he had, what, 45 to 50 or 50 to 45 on two of the judges' scorecards and I think 49-46 on the third judges' scorecards. So dominating win uh, used just good skill to to get takedowns at time, to maintain top control, to get position control points cracked rob font several times did knock down rob did, did knock down rob font at least i think once if not twice and had him at points where you were thinking maybe the fight could be on the verge of finishing i think at one point there was a round where it ended right at the point where he was really hurting rob font where he had just knocked him down so for jose aldo great win i had this one wrong we we had in the prediction show we we liked rob Font. um and if you saw the fight well if you didn't see the fight let me just tell you i could transcribe the most important part for rob font his jab was there it, it was it was um it was productive it created damage on Jose Aldo's face you could see Jose Aldo's right eye was kind of you know swollen um starting to shut at the end of the fight so Jose, uh, Jose Aldo like didn't come out of here unscathed you know Rob Font did a good job but Jose Aldo had the harder strikes he was hitting with more power and you could see that and so he was cracking Rob Font Rob Font amazing effort um nothing to be embarrassed about went 5 rounds with a guy who's you know one of the legends in this in this generation um so for Rob Font Get Back to the gym, heal up. His face was a little bit beat up, too. So, a lot of respect to the fight. And Jose Aldo moves on to fight another day. All right. So, co main event Rafael Fizes versus Brad Riddell. Had this one wrong, too. I thought Brad Riddell was going to get the better of Fizes. I, I thought, especially like late round two, round three, um, I saw Rafael in the past just, you know, not be as fresh, not be as smart with his decisions, you know, just cardio issues. Well, he finishes the fight um, in round three um, and ends up being like a wheel kick, which was just the end of a lot of other damage. If you looked at Brad Riddell before the wheel kick, he was already you know jacked up. He was bleeding. He was you know he was showing damage, and so the wheel kick was just like the icing on the cake um, for Rafael Faziz. He goes to 11 and one, very dominant performance. These guys are you know teammates, t- trained a tiger more tie together. Um, you know no bad no no bad vibes between them before the fight or after the fight. Um, but for Hafael Faziz, man, nice dominant win for Brad Riddell. He came in looking good. He had some moments there where he landed some shots on Rafael, but Hoffel took them very well um so for brad riddell he's still young enough get back to the drawing board he'll be back okay so uh jamal hill versus jimmy crute i could talk about this one for hours i'm not going to do that i'm just going to give you the quick synopsis here um jimmy hill knocks him out in 48 seconds and it's not just the fact that he knocked him out when you look at them standing in the ring afterwards when they're getting hands raised you know the referees holding their arms um you're like damn jimmy how did you take so much damage in 48 seconds like it looked like jimmy crew's nose was broken he was bloodied up one his one eye was swelling like it was like as the camera was on him i felt like it was literally swelling as i was watching him um that left eye was pretty much closed and so yeah jamal hill did some work on jimmy crew and i think there's two things we could take from this fight one yeah i think jamal hill's hands I, i i definitely I undervalued them a little bit. He does have some crazy power there. But then here's a the flip side. Like Jimmy Crute, like I'm starting to wonder now. Um, I, I want to see more from him. He might be a little chinny. You know, he got hit with the same strike twice in this fight. So he gets hit with like a, a counter cross. Um, he kind of buckles, whatever. gets back to his feet. He's okay. He recovers. You know, then he gets hit again with it. And that's like the beginning of the end. Uh, for Jamal Hill, he talked to the, uh, you know, Daniel Cormier after the fight. And the first thing he said was like, you know, people doubting me, people talking, you know, their pre-fight show breakdown, whatever. Um, <laughs> I felt like he was talking to me because my breakdown prediction show on on this fight, I was very hypercritical of Jamal Hill, more so of like his outside the octagon things that are going on. And so um, I don't know if he took some of the, the pre, you know, pre uh, the pre-fight, you know, doubters took it to heart, went in there with an extra chip on his shoulder. Just look good. Um, but again, there's an asterisk here. Like, what's up with Jimmy Crute? You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, 48 seconds. Jimmy Crute looked like he was in a car accident. <laughs> okay. Moving on down to Clay Guida versus Leonardo Santos. This one right here may have been the fight of the night. I, I think this should at least get some, you know, votes for fight of the night. Um, I'm not sure which one was. It may be coming out as I'm doing this video right now. But Clay Guida takes a beating in the first round. Takes a beating. Take a, I mean, there's no other way of putting it. Um, a lot of referees would have stopped it. I'm sure some people in that, you know, arena, this is a small little, you know, arena there for this, you know, Vegas fight night event. were thinking like, could somebody save this man? He turns 40 years old in a few days. His parents were there, <laughs> which I didn't know until after the fight, cause they didn't talk about a pre fight, but after the fight, he like gave a shout out to his parents and pointed to them and stuff. Anyway, his soul is, has left his body. At some point I'm like, no normal person with, with, with nerves and pain and a brain, and and all the different things that you know function your system. When you're taking body shots and head shots and knees to the head, he's just getting his ass whooped. And Leonardo Santos is several times looking at the referee like, you, "Can you stop this, man?" And I, I thought, I thought I knew why he was doing it, which we'll, we'll wrap around to that here as I break this down. But um, he's like, "Yeah, can you, you want to stop this, man? Like, you know, I'm kicking his ass," and he's just piling on Clay Guida. You hear the referee telling Clay, "Got to fight back, got to fight back." Clay, get, Clay gets every opportunity to hang in there, and he does. And then eventually, like, some you know, Santos starts to slow down. You even hear Guido's corner saying, he's slowing down. He's getting tired. And I remember hearing that the first time and thinking, like, tired of whooping his ass? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Tired of what? Like, but the corner being, I think, number one, optimistic. And number two, they did have a, a game plan. They talked about it. Guido talked about it in his post-fight interview that they knew that, look, if we could survive the first you know, wave, and once we get into like round two and stuff, this guy will slow down. Now, there's a point here. Guida's 40. Santos is 42. Okay, so Santos is also kind of getting to the last stages of his career. Um, I got the impression after watching this entire fight that he did not spend the appropriate amount of time in his cardio. Whether it was an injury, so he was recovering from injury or something like that, or a discipline issue. He's getting older and just not wanting to put the time in. But his cardio was bad because what ends up happening at the end of round one, Clay Guida is completely like recovered this caveman of a fighter. He's fully recovered. Now he's sort of, you know, you know, pushing pace a little bit. And Santos hits that proverbial cardio wall. He's just like hands are gone. And, and Carney Cormier recognizes it. The guys doing the broadcast work, they're recognizing they're talking about it. And I'm thinking at one point, I'm like, well, once he gets a seat between the rounds, he'll recover a little bit, right? He'll be okay. Santos will be fine. So he sits down between the rounds and takes a splash of water, comes back out, and he's so gassed, and Clay Guida's just pushing pace, pushing tempo, eventually gets a takedown, and then he submits him, rear naked choke. Why am I raising my voice when I said that? He submits him because Leonardo Santos is like a former world champion in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. This guy's like every belt in the jiu-jitsu color ring, purple, green, orange, red, turquoise, you name it. This guy's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu master, but it wasn't the issue of his jiu-jitsu. It was his cardio, so he was so damn gassed. He hit Cleguyta with everything but the damn kitchen sink. Cleguyta survives it because he's a Neanderthal, and he comes out and gets a submission. The crowd goes wild after the fight. He gives a shout out to his parents, mom, dad. His face looks fine. You don't understand how he took a knee to the face. And in one of the replays, he takes a knee to like the face, to the to the freaking cranium, and then goes down from it. But that's you know not enough. Um, I think that referees when they referee this guy's fight. They kind of must get a few notes on the side from like Dana, like this guy gets a little extra rope here. Don't 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 call the fight too early with this guy. Anyway, for Clay Guida, he turns forty next week. He talked about it. His buddy was there. Gave shout outs to everyone. This fight was probably the fight of the night. It was really enjoyable. And if that wasn't the fight of the night, how about maybe the, just the fight knockout of the night? Chris Curtis, Brendan Allen. If you don't know, Chris Curtis fought less than a month ago. UFC debut, knocks out his opponent. Woo-hoo, he's on the scene, 35-year-old dude, like a 35-year-old rookie, comes on into this fight, not even a month later, literally within a month, takes the fight, somewhat short notice, was in shape. You could tell that, like he'd stayed in shape. He stayed He stayed ready. He was the guy who told the UFC, look, I'll be ready, and he was really ready. Um, and I think at 35 years old, you sort of sense this guy's got, you know, he knows, you know, father time is ticking, I got to be on my game, comes in here and really makes an example out of Brandon Allen. And Brandon Allen, I guess, throughout the whole pre-fight, you know, process, was, you know, kind of talking down a little bit to Curtis, like you're not at my level, dude. Well, the knockout was pretty spectacular. Curtis catches him with like a counter, right? It's almost like a hook. Um, Brandon Allen just immediately goes almost like almost zombie, almost curled over and fell over, but he survives that initial and sort of like staggered on his feet and Curtis comes over, puts on an onslaught, you know, basically takes him down to the ground at some point, more of a knockdown to the ground, ground pound on top. They stop it. Brandon Allen's completely dazed and confused. He's out of it. Um, and the look on Brandon Allen's face was also the look of, like, embarrassment. Like, I took this guy a little light. Um, didn't fight the right game plan. Like, that was one of the things here was frustrating as, as a better because I did put, you know, Allen in a few parlays. I, I talked about this in the, in the break breakdown that um, this was a dangerous spot because he was the biggest favorite in the card, right? Going against a guy who's got nothing to lose, comes off this KO in his debut. Now for Now for Curtis, he's got two KOs in his first two UFC fights in less than a month. Pretty awesome way to finish 2021. And in the post fight interview, he said, Hey, if you guys got some room on USC two sixty nine <laughs> coming up in like a week or so, let me know. I'm down, I'm ready to go. I took no damage. I'm fresh. So yeah. Awesome story here. Like Chris Curtis. Uh, I'm this is burning in my head. I'm not fading this guy right now. Unless he's fighting, I don't know. Well, I'm just not fading this guy right now. I gotta I gotta believe. I'm a, I'm on the Curtis train. All right. So Alex Morano versus Mickey Gall. This one was um, you know, I wanted Mickey Gall to win. I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you that right now because he's from Jersey. I'm I'm from the East Coast, not in Jersey but not too far from Jersey. Mickey Gall had a few moments in this fight, but Alex Moreno's a smart guy. You know, I talked about in the fight breakdown, pre-fight, owns a gym, very cerebral, smart fighter. Um also gave a shout-out to his dad. His dad was in the audience. His dad was, like, crying after the fight and happy for his son. Um, and I guess his dad is, has traveled to, traveled to this event but has not been doing well health-wise. So he gave a shout-out to his, his dad. It's just really nice little thing. Talked about being a kid and watching UFC together and whatever else. So anyway, nice guy, happy for a married man. for Mickey Gall, you know, like he couldn't get the takedowns he needed. He couldn't use his BJJ. Here's a guy who's very good at BJJ and never was a factor. You know, he never could actually execute takedowns or get a situation where he could get back control from Alex Moreno. So for Moreno, he's smart. He's a good game plan. Got a unanimous decision win. He deserved it. Um, I thought he looked good there. Um, and I kind of underestimated Alex Moreno. I, I keep underestimating this guy, and I probably shouldn't. And I maybe was overestimating Mickey Gall. But uh, for Mickey Gall, it wasn't the worst performance. He does fall to seven and four, so the record is getting ugly. But um, yeah, I mean, he looked good boxing-wise. His boxing has improved. So that if you if you didn't watch the fight, You'd be happy to know that his boxing has improved, but he still lost a decision. Anyway, next fight down. Dusko Todorovic versus Maki Patola. This one right here is probably one of the ones that stick out for me as the as the one that I really, really got wrong on this card in terms of my prediction. Well, along with Jamal Hill, because I felt like Jamal Hill, I, I had that one way off and he went ahead and, and beat the hell out of Crew. So um, but this was probably the second one that I really got very, very wrong. So I had this whole theory about Dusko's got no chin. You know, Maki Patola's balance on the feet, on the on the hands, you know, on the on the ground, whatever he's balanced, you know. Dusko had a history of using takedown attack before and being good on the ground. But like he kind of like got away from that. You know, maybe somebody wanted to have flash knockouts, wanted to use his boxing, whatever the case may be. He got back to it in this fight, and it was shocking because once he got the takedown on Patolo, Patolo initially was like sort of fighting with him, trying to battle positions. And next thing you know, Dusko just takes like a full body mount, starts laying blows on, on Patola. And I still, I'm like in denial because I, I had my money on Patola. One of the dogs i left in his card. And I'm like, no, Patola, you'll be fine. Like, oh, get out of that. Get out of that position. He just never did. And Dusko just starts raining down more and more strikes. He gets um, he gets a back control situation where he's got both hooks in, flattens out Patola, starts landing more strikes. And the fight gets called. It's, it's stopped, okay? And that's in round one. At the end of round one, four minutes, 34 seconds. So almost the end of the round, but Patola could not hang on. When they called the fight, you know, Patola sitting there on the stool, the look of defeat, like the look of like, you know, man, I just kind of really came in here. Didn't even get a full fight. You know, I came in here, got finished in the first round. I mean, think about that from, from the standpoint that these fighters put full training camps in those camps could be anywhere from sometimes only two or three weeks, depends on the fighter um, to six to eight weeks. Um, and in some cases, maybe 10 weeks when you think about the build-up before the camp and getting everything scheduled and starting to you know, get yourself health-wise and start to do the things you need to do pre-camp. It's two, three months of your life. And then you go in there, and then in four minutes and 54 seconds, it's over. That's the look I saw on, on Mackie Patola's face. So for Patola, I just expected more. I'm, I'm pretty disappointed in him. For Dusko Todorovic, he did a very good job. He did what he should have done. Um, he, he got a nice win. He needed this win. This would have been three losses in a row in the UFC. I thought his chin going to get checked here by Maki Pitola. On the feet, when the fight was on the feet, Maki was doing well. He was doing all right, but didn't stay on the feet. Didn't finish the takedown, and couldn't get back up. So next fight down, the best version of Manel Kopp. We saw that tonight. Um, this is what this guy, the potential of this guy. Knockout, round one, four minutes and two seconds over Zagas and Magulov um i know zaga's is not the best fighter in the world he's only 14 and six kind of a, s- a smaller guy um doesn't do anything great does everything okay but from Manel cop boy he's got the he's got the touch of the like the touch of death okay if he strikes somebody the wrong way he's gonna put him sleep and so he really put a a punch on zaga's tonight that was uh yeah he brought that shit all the way from portugal or maybe angola because he's from both countries right Anyway, nice win for him. I was on Zagas as a dog on this as well. So it's a recurring theme here. I think I got, well, I'll wrap up a summary at the end of how I did on this card, because I did not do well. If you were trailing any of the betting advice I gave, ouch. Kind of undid everything we did last night with um, Bellator. All right, next fight down. Brian Barbarana and Darian Weeks. Okay, so Barbarana and Weeks, this is a fight that maybe had the early candidacy, prelim candidacy for Fight of the Night, because... Um, it was competitive. They went, you know, toe to toe, both guys exchanged punches. Um, they were equally as tired towards the end of the fight. Weeks is first UFC fight. He had been undefeated five and zero, coming in here. Um, Barbarano's is more of a little bit more of a veteran in UFC. Um, and Barbarana won the fight. He won the fight. Some people on like Facebook, I'm sorry, Facebook, Twitter and whatnot on social media were arguing that oh, maybe weeks won the fight. I don't know. I thought Barbarano won the fight. I <clears> think <throat> landed the hardest shots, more recognizable shots, but not a bad showing for Weeks. Decision win there for Brian Barberena. All right, next fight down. Here's a little bit of drama, right? So Cheyenne of Lismas gets the win over Mallory Martin. We we knew all the pre-fight stuff, whatever. And I gotta just put her on blast again. Um, well, let me let me start by giving her some positive feedback first. Her striking was so sharp. She she did recently move over to a new gym there in Vegas. Um, man, her striking looked really good. She looked. She also looked. I don't want to say like skinnier or leaner but like she looked like in tremendous shape and somehow faster than she was before she was pretty fast before her combinations were, were really nice um she was aggressive um still had that same crazy edge like screaming in the ring like not necessarily at mallory but like towards the end of the fight she's like screaming like let's fucking go like in the middle of like throwing combinations she's screaming that um she like like she she like she seemed to like Mallory Martin. They both had like good interactions after the fight. Nothing bad from that standpoint. Now post fight, um, here's where I got just I got to point it out. You know, like Cheyenne, like how you doing from Darren Cormier? Like how you doing, Cheyenne? Like how you feeling? Oh, as you know, like you know this and that's been negative. And and I got you know going over you know it's just been like I hit rock bottom. You know like it's just like oh my God, Cheyenne, can we do a post fight interview where it's not like. I just did this, or had that loss, or I, I my dog died, or I, I just moved. Out. I had no money. Uh, I have spent all this on my my dad. I, I like this this reoccurring theme of hers of like woe is me, um, or if not woe is me, but like just I'm gonna give you all my problems right now instead of like this is just a great win. I'm very very happy now. She does say that too. She does say you know I'm, I'm this is super you know and she's like kind of emotional. After the fight, like on on her knees or on the ground, crying, and then she like she'll cry, and then she'll back to like talk for a second, and then cry, like some like bipolar, weird like roller coaster of emotions type of stuff. Now, in the octagon, she's she's kind of special. She is kind of special. There might be something really special with this girl, um, or this woman, and uh, she looked really good. Uh, i would have liked to have seen her finish martin from the standpoint that that would have been like the icing on the cake and she mentioned that in the post fight um and honestly she did she had covid recently she overcame a lot of stuff there was no sense that she had covid by the way she looked fresh as a mother i think i think here's my theory now post fight that that interview she gave recently with mma junkie and that whole painting the picture like two weeks whatever like I think she was selling us just some, some shit and that was just more like the build up. Like and then when the post fight comes around, like yeah, I, I basically had a lung lung transplant. I couldn't even breathe two days ago. I came in here, I would fight her in the parking lot. And so I think we got, got kinda of got a little like a... what do they call that? <laughs> honey? Honey dicked? I don't know what that is, that phrase from that movie. We got honey something. But anyway, honey child, Cheyenne Velismus, aka Cheyenne Bays goes on gets a nice decision win. Alright, so moving on down to William Knight and Alonzo Menafield This fight should have been good. A lot of people were thinking under or the fight is not at the distance. I was one of them. Raised my hand. I also some people who thought Alonzo Menafield would win the fight. I also raised my hand there and I was dead wrong. This one will stay with me for a minute with Alonzo Menafield because there's two things that really kind of bug me with this guy. Like he doesn't use the most basic of tools in his toolbox. The jab. Use your jab, dude. You got it, man. You even have some reach advantage here on William Knight. Um, didn't use it. He has a tendency at times just not to use anything. So for the entire third round, he's grappling William Knight. Let me go in order. How about we start round one? Round one, he wins all of round one, except at the very end, he gets clipped by William Knight. And William Knight just completely, like, takes round one from him, like, got it. Even though Alonzo Menafield had more strikes in round one, position control, had a takedown, looked pretty good, sort of dominated the middle of the cage, had William Knight on the outside, you know. Um, William Knight took round one. He got the knockdown, got him hurt, whatever. So for Menafield, round two comes around. He takes round two. I think all the judges had him winning round two. A little grappling. Good job with the striking. William Knight's exhausted in round two. So William Knight's like just can't do much. His hands are down by his body. By the way, he's got some of the worst boxing technique. I just got to put it out there. William Knight's boxing technique is trash. So round three comes around. And um, Alonzo menafields like, all right, let me get some grappling going. Let me get a takedown, right? That's, that's my path to victory. So he gets William Knight up against the fence, but never gets him down. And this is going on, I swear, for probably like four minutes of the of the last round. For four minutes, Alonzo menafield is leaning up against the fence on William Knight, never throwing a single strike. Like nothing. Like nothing. Like never nothing. Not an elbow, not a knee to the leg, just nothing. And William Knight's like not doing anything either. So William Knight gets free for, like, 35, 45 seconds, and he just goes into, like, karate kid, video game, push all the buttons, like, X, Y, B, whatever, circle button, square button, and just starts throwing all kind of stuff. And it reminds me of the Macy Barber fight where she won a round in one of her fights where she threw a spinning back fist at, like, the very end of a round that she did nothing in. She did nothing the entire round. Spinning back fist. Doesn't land in I don't think it landed or didn't land flam flush, and she wins that round. So William Knight just like whatever F it. Push all the buttons. All right. What does Alonzo Menafield do? Nothing. Starts circling away, backs away. Maybe throws a few jabs or something. Whatever. Doesn't do much of anything. I guess in his head he's like, I won this round, because I I pinned him up against a cage for you know a few minutes. The long and short of it is William Knight gets a decision win. Alonzo Menafield, like IQ, fighter IQ, just took a dump. Um gotta wake up, dude. Like he shouldn't fall into eleven and three here. He was the favorite for a reason. He should be twelve and two. Maybe not finishing William Knight, but fighting smarter, using your head, not losing rounds at the last ten seconds of a round because of, you know, putting yourself in a bad position um, and just not using your tools, um, not being busy. You know, now after the fight was over, <clears throat> Paul Shaughnessy from um, Dogger Pass Show, where he does with uh, Cody Saptic, he posted some stats on round three striking stats. And I guess I was a little blinded because I, I wanted Alonzo Menafield to win. I thought he got robbed, whatever, you know. Um, but the stats are the stats. And in round three, the stats show significantly there's a significant advantage in strikes for William Knight over Alonzo Menafield. And that was the entire round. There was no, no one got hurt. No one got not, No one got any takedowns. Whatever control that Alonzo Menafield had against the cage against William Knight in that third round. I guess it was not really control, I guess, leaning against him. I don't know. I don't know how the judges scored that. But striking-wise, William Knight did win round three from that standpoint, and so it was close enough that I guess they gave that round to him. And round one, he got, but round two, I think, went to midfield. 29, 28, all three judges' scorecards. So, all right, down to Claudio Puelas versus Chris Grutzmacher. Now, this is one of the few fights on the entire damn card that we did get right. We liked Puelas' pre-fight. He looked he looked okay. You know, uh, Grutzmacher can have a way of making things ugly, and he was able to do that a few times in this fight. Round one, round two kind of go by. It's a little uneventful, but if you like to to win the fight like I did, I'm a little worried. I'm not super happy with what I'm seeing. He's not dominating Grutzmacher, um, and Grutzmacher is just being very crafty. The one thing that happens here, and it's just very typical of a guy like Grutzmacher, who I like the guy. I mean, I, I, nothing against him. I, he's, I mean, he's American, patriot. You know, I want to see him do well. Um, he rolls around on the ground with with Claudio Puelas. One of the things we talked about in our prop show, Pick Your Poison, was the prop submission bet for Poirier. I thought it was a very good option because Grutzmacher is not great at defending submission attempts. And lo and behold, round three, he gets a knee bar. And you think knee bar does not happen hardly ever in men's men's MMA, more more so women's MMA. But Grutzmacher, if you didn't watch the fight, he just he's playing around on the ground, playing footies like when Patrick Sabatini fought against. Um, I forgot the guy's name. Was it was it Jamal Emmers? Maybe it was Jamal Emmers. And like Jamal Emmers, like his winning the entire first round. Decides to play on the ground with footies with, with Pat Sabatini. So Pulles gets into a situation where he grabs a leg and pulls off it. And the knee bar happened so fast you could barely tell Chris even tapped. It was like a really fast tap. So nice win for Puez. He's got to shore up his game. He should have looked better in that fight than he did. Um and for Chris Grismacher, like he's got to learn how to defend submissions. You know, it's, just, it's 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 Achilles heel for him. All right. First of the night, Vince Morales versus Louis Smoker. I like Smoker to win. I thought even inside the distance was going to be a possibility for him, maybe submission. I talked about that prop in the prop show. And that was not what happened here. What happened here was that Vince Morales came out there and was like, I'm at a new gym, got some new swag, my boxing skills have improved, and he just cold clock knocks out Smoker, one punch knockout, two minutes, round one, kicks the night off on that kind of note. And you're like, damn okay here we go so had that fight wrong um but for vince morales great win you could almost sense like the guy has made a major change because there's some holes in his game that you could see from the past watching his prior fights but all in all when you watch this fight you're like okay this is an improved version of him he's making the the changes he needs to make um at his age right now only what 31 years old kind of stepping into his prime years so Let's review the card. I gotta just say it without trying to vomit in my own mouth how we did tonight. So, um, and at the end, I started to do some, you know, little hedging, little panic, little plant some panic spots. I had to take. I started seeing a theme that I was getting every freaking fight wrong. So I started betting a little bit just the other way just to be funny, and it kind of happened exactly that way. So main card, we wanted Rob Font. We like Rob Font. Got that wrong. Jose Aldo, the old man, wins co-main event. We were on Brad Riddell, but not super confident. I thought that fight was going to be a close fight, but it wasn't as close as I thought. Uh, Rafael Faziz looked really good. um, Showed everyone that he's maybe more legit, at least more legit than I thought. So, win goes there to Faziz. I got that fight wrong. Jimmy Crute. What was I doing? I was all over that bandwagon. I was talking a lot of ish on Hill. Hill shut me up and anyone else who was talking about Crute winning the fight. So, Got that one wrong. All right, down to Leonardo Santos and Clay Guida. i had Clay Guida on our prediction show. So here's one of the, I can raise my voice, talk a little bit. Let me take a sip of my wine here. Celebrate. I got one fight right on the main card. Jesus Christ. That's yeah, bad. And you got one, two, three, four, five, six fights in the main card. I'm going one in five. <laughs> my Lord. So had Clay Guida winning this fight. Old man does a good job there. Outlast Santos. Santos comes in with just not very good cardio. So, Anyway, uh, Brendan Allen. I should have underestimated Chris Curtis. Got that one wrong. Mickey Gall. I thought the New Jersey boys were going to do us proud. He loses that fight. Taliesin Moreno. Prelims. I had Maki Pitola. Not right there. Zagas. Had him as a bunch of dogger pass. So Darian Weeks and Zagas. Zimugula, those are dogger passes for me. I wasn't like so confident they would win. But either way, got them both wrong. Cheyenne Vlismas. We were on Mallory Martin in the pre-fight prediction. I want to make sure I own up this change here. But then by the time, what, let's say, what, even the night before the fight, I actually posted um, some information online, posted a tweet or two, saying that I was actually on the side of Cheyenne Felisman. So I did flip on that one. But I'm not going to take a bunch of credit for it. I was on Mallory Martin pre-pre-fight, I kind of was buying into all that shit about Cheyenne Felisman going through stuff and whatever else. Anyway, Alonzo Benefield got that wrong. William Knight ends up winning that fight. Carter Pulas, we got that right. And then Louis Smoker got that one wrong as well so yeah just we were not uh not on fire here tonight by any means it's a shame because last night with bellator man that card was great for us we only had one fight wrong on the entire card so whatever winnings we actually collected last night gone well not all of it but a lot of it took a dive today so unfortunately kind of undid our our brilliant work uh from yesterday but all that said it was a pretty good card um Looking back on it, I don't think it'll be a card that people remember, like, oh, that was the best card ever. But it was pretty good. I think for some fighters, like a guy like Jamal Hill, a guy like um, Rafael Faziz, um, a guy like Chris Curtis, like this is going to be cornerstones for their career. Like this will be something we look back in within a year and say, oh, remember that that card when Chris Curtis started off 2-0 and and got that knockout, and he's now at this point. Um, Chris Curtis has fought six times in 2021. When they said that in the post-fight, interview i was like what what i mean i guess it shouldn't be surprised he fought twice in the last month in the ufc so okay just about does it here for the recap of vegas 44 font versus aldo tough card one of the worst cards i've uh, been a part of in a long time in terms of my predictions at least and the betting angles whatever money i won last night in bellator i pretty much just shoveled it all back in a bag and just gave it right back to the damn casino which it is what it is. You live to fight another day. Got to sort of wipe our hands of this one. Get ready for UFC 269 coming up next week. That prediction show will be out by what Tuesday. This is uh, Saturday, so keep an eye out for that one. As always, thanks for joining us. If you cat, if you want anything, you let me know. Leave it in the comment section. Maybe you did better than we did. Maybe you just took a few prop bets like that. You know, Claudio Puelles prop bet to win by submission. Um, you know, maybe you did better than we did. We, yeah, we were like a dumpster fire. So I gotta own it. We're not doing good. We're not doing good. Uh, anyway, we lived to find another day, pour myself a little glass of wine. I suggest you do the same, not if you're under 18, okay? then do not do that. But if you're over 18 and you like wine, this would be a good time to pour yourself a nice glass of wine, maybe some low, maybe some Cabernet, take a chill pill, <sighs> deep breath. Bankroll management is very important. We'll see you guys here in a few days. Thanks for joining us. Oh, and if you haven't already done so, please like and subscribe. Peace.